Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. They're back. We're talking bass. We're talking stripers. We're talking line siders. Whatever you call them, the fish are here. Finally, down along the South Jersey coast, it's only going to get better the next couple of weeks. Whether you're in a boat, you're still in a bass. Still some bass in the back and also along the beaches. That beach bite is starting to get going. Hey, you're inside Rack and Fin Radio with me, Tom P. Weekend of December 4th and 5th. And an early Happy New Year to all because what opens Monday. But the Firearm Buck Week, no doubt the most popular deer hunting season of the many seasons that we have. In particular in South Jersey with the myriad clubs. There's lots of driving going on. How's the deer take so far? <laughs> the EHD outbreak, <laughs> affecting deer numbers. We'll find out more about that in our next segment with Carol Stanko. She is the Bureau Chief, Division of Fish and Wildlife's Bureau of Wildlife Management and former deer project leader. Carol will give us the lowdown on what is happening and her perspectives for the upcoming season. Also, some talk with Captain Scott Newhall. Trolling those bass out front. They are here. And later, a little later on in the segment, we have Bayside Dave Edelman and LBI Surf Report. Scott Patterson's coming on, man. Got that duck stamp. State duck stamp jumped five bucks to ten. Finally, finally. Hey, man, grab that cup, grab that Red Bull. Really jam show. Be right back. Rack and Fin Radio. Stripers. And even I'm catching them. Ha, ha, ha. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. South Jersey's talk station. This holiday season, the Atlanta County Utilities Authority is working to help families in need. ACUA employees will collect donations of canned goods and other non-perishable food on your recycling day between December 6th and 17th. Use any bag for canned food items and place them at the curb next to your recycling. Donations will be distributed to those in need by the Community Food Bank of New Jersey Southern Branch of Egg Harbor Township. For more information, call ACUA at 272-6950 or go to acua.com slash food drive. It's time to feel good about getting health coverage. With brand new savings, Get Covered New Jersey is helping more New Jerseyans get quality coverage they can afford. Due to new federal and state savings, 9 out of 10 people who enroll get financial help. Many pay $10 a month or less for quality plans that include coverage for preventive services, care for pre-existing conditions, prescriptions, and more. Get the coverage you need to be healthy and stay healthy. Open enrollment is happening now. Get started at getcovered.nj.gov. Download Rack and Fin Radio as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. As I mentioned in the opening segment, Happy New Year! Parallel Universe of Rack and Fin Radio when a season opens. Indeed cause for a New Year celebration. Well, deer season's been so diluted. The quote-unquote firearm season this year opens Monday, December 6th, and runs through the 11th. But you can use bows. I still don't get that. I know it's a raised revenue, a lot of other good stuff. But way back when, I don't even want to get into that. So uh, last year, we had a, let's see, during during a six-day shotgun, six-day farm, whatever, we had a total rack them down of 6,127 deer. That was part of the total overall harvest of 54,980 whitetails statewide, encompassing all the seasons. Now, let's see. That harvest uh, was 20.4% higher than the 45,650 taken in 2019 through that 2020 season. 
and the antlerless portions. All that information is available at njfishandwildlife.com. This year, how does it look this year? How is the deer harvest so far this year? Bow, permit bow. You had the muzzleloader. Just in it. What is going on? Joining us on the line right now, very special guest. Always glad to have her on Rack and Fin Radio is Carol Stanko. She is the Bureau Chief, Division of Fish and Wildlife's Bureau of Wildlife Management and a deer expert. Used to be in charge of the deer project. She's going to give us a lowdown on what is happening. Now, I know there's a lot of talk about the CWD, chronic wasting disease. Division's doing a yeoman's job. Can I say yeoman's, yo woman's, whatever, trying to keep it out of the state, you know, the, the uh, urine gland-based ban and all that stuff. So far, it's been successful, but... EHD, yeah, caused by that little gnat, kind of wreaked some havoc this past fall. I mean, right right through October, it seems. So uh, numbers took a hit. I can't say statewide, but some big swaths across the Garden State. Carol's on us right now to give us a lowdown on what is happening. Carol, how you doing? Thanks for joining us on Rack and Fan. If I don't see you, happy New Year, Merry Christmas, and all that good stuff. I'm always one <laughs> step always ahead. That's always my pleasure, Tom. <laughs> Carol, how's, uh, we have, as you described to me, sort of a perfect storm situation this year. Now, um, again, I want to jump right to this EHD, if you don't mind. Uh, I spoke to one guy. He says, Tom P., I'm, my estimate is that he belongs to some clubs, and I was like, Burlington County alone, 70% of the deer herd wiped out. I said, We've, that's a pretty high number there, Bill, you think? And it's been that way, Carol. People I talked to up and down the state, the EHD was particularly savage this year, was it not? Well, <laughs> I have been getting reports of, you know, fields full of dead deer. 50 deer in a field dead. And I said, great. You know, when I ever, when people tell me this, I say, send me a picture. Everybody has a cell phone strapped to their arm these days. I haven't received one picture. So I think some of it may be accurate, but a lot may be exaggerated as well. And that certainly EHD has localized severe effects, but it's usually right around the water source where the gnats are. So, um, but there's a whole host of reasons why the, the harvest is down this year. And if you mm-hmm. like, I can go into those. Sure. All right. We're we ne- we about, need to know. <laughs> we need to know. We're down about a third of last year's to date. And that is getting better, actually. The pendulum is swinging Ooh. back up. <laughs> we were down over 50% at one time this year. Um, but it's it's swinging back. And as you said, last year we had an increased harvest. And that was what is known as the COVID bump. Everybody saw it nationwide. We saw an increase in okay. deer-related license sales, deer permit sales, and, of course, the harvest, as you mentioned, was 20% up. Mm-hmm. But this year, people are back to work, so we're getting less participation. And that also showed up in fall turkey harvest, which was down 17% yeah, on damn. average in New Jersey, PA, and New York. So mm-hmm. uh, another thing is we have an incredible mass year this year lots of nut trees producing so patterns are different uh you're not seeing deer where you normally would because they're around the mass trees they're not coming into bait like they normally would so Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. deer behavior is different and we saw that in reduced success on research trapping in bears as well Uh, i guess they prefer acorns to donuts so (laughs) that's true We already talked about EHD, um, but that also, those exaggerated mortality reports might affect hunter behavior as well. If people are hearing that the 
deer are 70% dead, then maybe they're not going out to hunt like they did before, whether those reports are true or not. And then the weather this year was wacky, unseasonably wet, warm weather. It was 80 degrees on October 15th Mm -hmm. when the high should have been 60. So that affects deer behavior. They're bedded down when it's that hot. And hunters don't want to be fully geared up sitting in a tree in 80 degree weather either. And then you have to worry about meat spoilage. So all these things contributed to significant decline in the harvest so far. But as the weather gets more seasonable, meaning cold, you know, we see more participation in hunters. And the good news is all those deer, a lot of those deer are still out there for you to take. So mm-hmm. get out into the field and enjoy the rest of the season. Well, Carol, about uh, getting back to the photos, you know, getting testament. I've been always saying that from way back when I tell people, oh, oh the division always, st- they stock coyotes to get rid of the. I said, oh, my, my friend's brother's <laughs> cousin saw a truck parked and they, and they stopped the tractor trail at a manifest coyote. But, I said, could you send me a picture? I said, I like nothing more than hold fish and wildlife's feet to the fire on this one. You're talking some great radio. Hundreds, maybe not hundreds, dozens of guys and gals I spoke to that swore they saw this or their uncle saw it or their grandfather saw it or their sister's ass's brother saw it. Nobody <laughs> came up with any photos. But you know, I, I did happen to see probably in my various stops around the state easily two dozen dead deer. Again, all by water areas, uh, Monmouth County, uh, yeah. Southern Huntington County, Northern Ocean, part of Burlington out there on the Burlington-Monmouth border. What's that? Uh, Cro- what's that? Crosswicks Creek area right in there, uh, Doctors Creek. So it, it did happen. Is there any way that the, a percentage could be laid on that, or it's just what you see is what's out there? So for the first time this year, we put a report form online for the EHD situation, not necessarily to get numbers because it's wildly inaccurate, but to see how far it ranged. And, you know, you have to take some of them with a grain of of salt. Sure. Um, Hunters know what we're looking for. Farmers know what we're looking for. But the average citizen is going to be reporting road kills. Every time they see a dead deer, they're going to call it in. So 20% of those calls were single dead deer. And if there was no dead deer anywhere else in that township or county, I was counting that as a roadkill, not Mm -hmm. EHD. But that being said, I will comfortably say that we had EHD in probably 17 counties out of 21 here. So it was very widespread, Mm -hmm. but it is impossible to get, you know, any kind of numbers on it unless you are hiking every stretch of waterway in the state to to count carcasses. So, Mm -hmm. um We've had bad outbreaks before, and happily, we have a very healthy, robust deer herd, so they will bounce back. Um, but, again, let me, if I can interrupt you a second, again, from, from some very seasoned uh, deer hunters saying it's going to take years and years and years for it to recover. And I'm thinking, no, the deer are pretty for some species. I mean, their does going to have the two fawns. I've seen some does with triplets over the years. Carol, realistically, bouncing back a year or two from some of the areas that were especially hit? That's about right, yeah. Because Mm -hmm. not only do you have the deer that are still there reproducing, you have deer from outside coming in, emigrating into those areas because Mm -hmm. now there's there's more room. There's more habitat to occupy. So, um, yeah, it's... It's not going to take years and years. Trust me, we couldn't eliminate the deer herd in New Jersey if we tried. So, yeah, it may be inconvenient for a year or two, but 
We'll be right back where we were. Okay, join us on the Rack of In Radio line this morning, December 4th, is Carol Stanko. She is the Bureau Chief, Division of Fish and Wildlife's Bureau of Wildlife Management. Deer expert, used to be the deer project leader. for Carol, back to the EHD again. Tongue-in-cheek, sort of, kind of, but short of laying down DDT again, is there any way to combat the, uh, the, the breakouts of EHD with these gnats, midges, whatever you call them? I, they're, yeah, they're midges, and um, we don't see it every year, so it's not predictable, the outbreak. Sometimes we get back-to-back years, and other times we go for many years without an outbreak. Um, there's really no way to determine when we're going to get it. And quite honestly, I don't think there's been much research done in that area because it doesn't affect humans. I think uh, right. we might be a little preoccupied with some other disease right now. <laughs> By the way, so, the, the CWD, what's the what's the situation with that? What are you hearing? Uh, thanks for asking. We continue testing. We've mm-hmm. been testing every year since 1998 and knock wood, no positives to date. But we did enact some new regulations this year that hunters need to be aware of. Um, you are not allowed to import an entire deer carcass, a whole deer carcass from any other jurisdiction, any state or country. So you must get your either bone it out yourself or get it processed if you take it out of state before you bring it back to New Jersey. You can bring in boned in meat, cleaned skull caps, um, cleaned hides. Uh, you're not allowed to bring back an entire head either. So get it taxidermied in the state where you took the deer. There you go. Uh, not allowed mm-hmm. to use urine lures or glandular lures derived from deer. Anything else is is fair game. You can use synthetics and lures derived from other species, but not deer. We are trying our damnedest to try to keep it out of New Jersey because once it's here, it's here to stay. We can never get rid of it. And I'm afraid with our deer densities, it'll be like putting a match to a hay bale. And it would be very bad for our sport and for the health of our deer herd in New Jersey. So I would appreciate every hunter taking every effort that they can to to help us out in that endeavor. Carol, it's it's been stalled. What Lancaster County, PA, has, has it made its way any any farther east that you've heard? Not that I've heard, but they continue to find new cases in Pennsylvania almost every year. So mm. they're. Their surveillance areas get expanded every year. They have a lot of captive herds there, which I think contribute. So uh, just please be mindful. It's um, PA has just as many good butchers and taxidermists as mm-hmm. New Jersey does. So get it done there. <laughs> Carol, back to uh, the population again. Again, I hear it at meetings and stuff. Well, Tom P., uh, I, I mentioned to some people that you're going to be coming on Rack and Finn. We'll ask about, you know, again, going back to that, the, the mortality, the, the, the kills exaggerated or not, whatever. Okay, well, how are they going to adjust, you know, the, the bag limits? Are they going to adjust the bag limits for next year or the year after to, to, to make up for all the dead deer that, you know, we get to hunt? And you say, that's a little more complicated process, a little more involved process than just slashing numbers. Can you address that, please, just to put that at, at rest? Because my head's exploding getting hammered with that. All right. Well, we are going to be sitting down with the Fish and Game Council, who is actually the body that enacts regulations. The Division of Fish and Wildlife does not. Right. We collect and analyze data and present our recommendations to the Fish and Game Council. So we will be sitting down with them at the close of the season and carefully looking zone by zone at harvest, harvest Mm -hmm. trends over time. 
one point in time is not something that we will generally dictate a change in regulation. Excuse me a second. Right there, right there. Ladies and gentlemen, those who operate words, harvest trends. Right. I'm sorry. I had it. That's why I, I tell them. That, and, okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just, okay. I vindicated myself. Harvest trends. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we have never in the past changed regulations because of an EHD mm. outbreak. Now, if we had chronic wasting disease, something that's contagious from deer to deer right. and not localized like EHD is around water bodies, then we would consider, we would definitely consider changing regulations. But for EHD, most likely not. But like I said, we will look at each zone individually and look at the harvest trends and the population data for each zone and make those decisions. Okay, I will say New Jersey has some of the finest, for its size, some of the finest deer hunting uh, in the in the mid-Atlantic region. Again, considering our size, listen, you have over 750,000 acres. That's three quarters. That's almost as much as the state of Texas of state land open to hunting. Then you have the National Wildlife Refuges. All the stuff is in a digest. And you have the county lands. Carol, we're fans of the Ocean County Lands Trust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of acres open to open to hunting. So you have the opportunities here. And Kyle, we have some big-ass bucks that get taken every year. Now, the deer, if they don't cancel it because of whatever name the COVID outbreak is now, the deer classic, I guess, I guess what, January 10th, 11th, 12th, whatever, the um, the Garden State Deer Classic at the outdoor show. Yeah. Uh, there, the, You have some mm-hmm. monster heads, and people say those are from Jersey. And you'll be surprised at the number that come from public lands. Absolutely. Yeah. And as far as I know, it's still on, barring any other unforeseen circumstances. So plan on being there in January. I know we do. Joyce Online is Carol Stanko. She is the Bureau Chief Division of Fish and Wildlife Bureau of Wildlife Management. Her lowdown on the deer herd is season so far. Harvest is down. It should be increasing. So, Carol, next week we have the six-day firearm when you can use bows. Don't get me going with that, Stanko. But how does it look? We have some nice weather coming up. What do you think? I think it's going to be great if the weather holds up and it's nice and cold. And, uh, I mean, the deer are out there. As I said, we've taken fewer of them, and I've seen some beautiful bucks on social media. I mean, there's I have heard no complaints this season. (laughs) Let's put it that way so far. The hunters seem to be pretty happy uh, in most areas throughout the state. So. Yeah, lots of opportunity out there. Absolutely. Okay, thanks for joining us on Rack Vega. You have a, a great, uh, if you're going to get a chance to get out and hunt, probably not. You have a very Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Perhaps we will see you at the uh, Garden State Show. Perhaps we will. I'll be there. <laughs> you take care. <laughs> Best of all, we'll see you soon. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, so weather cooperating, it should be a kick-ass six-day firearm where you can still use a bow, week next week. Hey, how about this? And I, I, I bow hunt. I like to bow hunt. I could be wrong. How about this? You Well, you have to purchase, have in your possession a bow license and a firearm license or, 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 or an all-around sportsman license if you're hunting with a bow during a six-day firearm week. So I pose this. Okay, how about I buy an archery license, a bow license, and I have my gun license. I need a shotgun during October, during the archery. No way! Explain it to me. Hey, grab that cup, grab that Red Bull. Be right back. I'm just busting balls here. Be right back. Rack and fiddle. Oh, my God. 
This is too much fun. Be right back. Rag and Fin Radio. If you're wondering what to do with your money in these unusual economic times, or if you have questions about retirement planning, IRAs, 401ks, or taxes, then listen to The Heart of Your Money, Saturday morning at 8 on WPG, featuring author and financial expert Joe Yakovich. The Heart of Your Money will focus on you, your family, and your financial portfolio. The Heart of Your Money with Joe Yakovich, Saturday morning at 8 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Every day at Atlantic City Electric, we make the local energy grid smarter, stronger, and cleaner. We're adding new infrastructure to improve service for our customers, from trimming trees, installing stronger poles and aerial cables, to building new equipment underground. We support growing power demands in our communities with new and upgraded substations. A resilient energy grid powered by our people. It's what drives us. Learn more at AtlanticCityElectric.com slash grid. Addiction takes hold when and where you least expect it. You may not see solutions, but there are. Medications that can support recovery helped us get our lives back on track. And they can help you too. Ask your doctor about medication that can support your recovery. Or call 844-REACH-NJ. I did. I did. I did. And you can too. Call 844-REACH-NJ to learn about medication that can support your recovery. A message from the New Jersey Department of Human Services. Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. You're back inside Rack and Fin Radio with me, Tom P. Weekend of December 4th and 5th. That was Carol Stanko, Bureau Chief, Division of Fish and Wildlife Bureau of Wildlife Management. Her take on the deer situation and her perspectives for what is upcoming this uh, coming week, Monday through Saturday, the firearm deer season. And all the winter bows going to be <clears throat> right around the corner starting January 1st. You have your uh, permit shotgun, permit muzzleloader going on. A lot of deer hunting available depending on the DMZ you're in right into February. Let's get to uh, some fishing right now. I'll tell you, it's finally happening in South Jersey. That incredible bass run that's been up north. Stripers are down here. Beach uh, beach bites percolating a little bit, but out there in the boats, it's been mayhem. Joining us on the line with an update is Captain Scott Newhall. Timeout Charters, Charter Captain of Par Excellence for 17 years. Fluke and Stripers are his main games. Captain Scotty, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us on short notice. It's been crazy. Yes, it has. I'm terrific. Thanks for asking, Tom. Scotty, I got some phone calls the other morning. Bomber uh, blitz going there off Reckonland Brigantine. It's it's happening out there. You've been out. Finally, the bass are here. What is the dealio? Well, you couldn't have said it any better in the intro. They they're moving down the coast. And they're finally picking up steam and heading our way. Uh, there's bass spread out truthfully from New York to Virginia. However, the epicenter of the bass is now south and central Jersey with with the, the back end still to the north. They're smaller fish, but now we're talking fish in a mixed range of size, uh, anywhere from uh, Cape May County up to, uh, you know, Shark River Inlet. Yeah. But uh, the LBI is covered in bass, and we're talking inside the line, which is fantastic news. Brigantine had a surge. They had, uh, you know, my phone blew up, like I'm sure yours did as well. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, beach bite erupted for a couple days. And uh, so here we are. The bass are in our waters. There's ebbs and flows. There's big ones. There's small ones. It's uh, 
it's it's exciting finally for the for the guys down in South Jersey because they wait, especially the slip guys. I'm on the trailer, so I'll follow the migration down. The guys that are parked in their slips or guys who can't get away to drive up there, they're pumped. They're excited. It's their time now. Now, Captain Scott, before I get to some tactics, you know, out front in the boats. Now, listen, it's anywhere from, Scott, I'm here 200 yards to two miles to that three-mile demarcation. It is paved with line setters. But I heard from Mike Critter Cunningham down there at Seattle Bait and Tackles. Tommy P., they're still catching schoolies and keepers in the back, eels and spot, resident fish, whatever. Scott, it's all coming together. This is, this is like an epic, I think an epic two-week period coming up. This is crazy. Yeah, you know, it. It's it's wild, but I never thought how we we will if we're getting away from talking about that ocean migration. The back bay fish, believe it or not, are South Jersey's most consistent yeah. straight bass fishery. I mean, Dave, as you would say, the rave show gets those starting. <laughs> he gets those starting in late September and gets them all the way through the run. Now uh, he would lament or celebrate the fact that yes, they are a smaller size fish. They are uh, anywhere from. Uh, throwback size to smallish to medium keepers, but they're consistent. They're in the back calm water and they're going to stay there. They're not going anywhere. And again, Cape May County, Atlantic County, mm-hmm. County, that no doubt about it. Scott, listen, tactics out front. I'm here at flutter spoons, shads, tsunami weighted shads, mojos, uh, niners, uh, blackies, umbrellas. It's been just, it's like putting me in Italian bakery. You know what I mean? It's just been crazy. What are you uh, What are you using out there, Scotty? It, it's um, it's a real phenomenon. It, when I get ready to pack up and go on the water, there's so many different tactical ways to go about it, rods and terminal tackle, that I have to try to figure out what I'm going to fit on the boat. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, exactly. Because everything you just said is 100% accurate. It's all working. So you have to come up with kind of your battle plan. What do you want to do? It the best bite, I should say, the most reliable bite is dawn till say eleven o'clock. Then it may peter out, or it may hang on. It's hard to say, and it might spark up again in the afternoon. Every day is different in that regard. So your your bird plays and your blitzes are usually those first couple hours of the morning when that sun hits the horizon. Right. Do you want to cast at them? You want to throw the tsunami shads, the flutter spoons? Do you want to do the, uh, you know, the spinning rod and have a blast that way, or do you want to go right onto the troll with everything else? You mentioned the umbrella rigs. I, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of uh, blue water candy lures, uh, striper umbrellas. One of the most oh, yeah. underused, underrated lures there is. You got the niners. You have the uh, Tony Maja spoons. You have everything clicking. Everything is clicking right now because Tom. It's not just one kind of bait. I'm watching these birds out here, and you know the species of the birds better than I do. The gannets. Go, oh, yeah. I call them the G-men. <laughs> G-men, like the New York Giants, right? Oh. in the house. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it could go all the way. What? Anyway, let's get back to fishing. But uh, you have the uh, the uh, the gannets are on the adult bunker, and they're on and they're on some herring. And then you have peanut bunker against the beach. And just to keep it interesting, when I see the fish, they're choking up rain bait. They're choking up rain small fish. species right. of fish. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, the sand deals are in there. So you're talking about you You can literally be trolling, and they're on one kind of bait. Then you get a smaller group of fish on the sand deals. And so you have all this coming together right now. So all the presentations will work. Scott, one question. 
there are the guys that are still picking up the weighted trebles, and they're doing it legally. Getting they're, they're snagging bunker, getting them in, putting them on the um, you know on the you know, non offset circle hooks. And Scott, they're they're scoring pretty well too. I mean, the, so you do have a live bait bite out there as well. You're right. We haven't touched on that yet, but there is definitely a live bait bite. Here's the thing. So when I, when I go, I want to I want to stay open to what's going to work that day. So if if your bunker schools are there, but they're deep and they're scattered, it can be more difficult. So you might spend more time than it's worth trying to snag that bunker. Now, if they're thick, what a blast it, to uh, mm-hmm. snag, switch to the circles, circle hook, drop it out there. It's just a great time. Like uh, like that blitz the other day, awesome. But on another day, it could be the next day, it could be a few hours later. When that breaks up, you might be better off casting your uh, your shads. Or if, if if that's not working and you're just throwing in vain, then you then you go on the troll. Mm-hmm. So there is a personal preference, and there's there's taking advantage of what nature gives you here. You don't want to try to. This is a conversation I have all the time with my buddies. You don't want to force something that's not there. And lastly, I want to throw this one huge tip. If you're a guy, uh, you know, and you're heading out, you have to be willing to go up and down, east, west, north, south. Look for marks. Look for life. Don't just go to an area, oh, I heard they were here yesterday. I'm going to fish here. Mm -hmm. You have Mm -hmm. to keep moving. Every day is a little bit different, and they move all over. Every time there's a big wind that blows 35, 40 miles an hour overnight, they might shift down the beach five miles, or they might move in, or they might move out. So look for the marks, the bass marks. Obviously, bait is great, but the bass will show up on your sounder. Sure. Scott, one question on the umbrellas now. There's the guys I'm talking to. I'm at the marinas. I'm at the docks. But shad's going to white, going to chartreuse. The tubes, uh, there was a run on red tubes at Creekside Outfitters the other day I was in there. Scott, all of the umbrellas, red tubes, guys buying red tubing. Then it was the green tubing. Then it then it's um, to the Niners. Nope, not the shads. The you know, they have the, they have those little weird looking cut eels or whatever thing with the little divots in them. But guys buying those, these things are fifty something a pop, right? And the, like the one guy said, he's Tom Peace. Is you have to be armed for bear. He said this is this is like you said, it's got a big strategy game because one day one color's working, the other day another color's working. Is it could it be too crazy that you're you're so you can get so busy switching that you're spending more time doing that than fishing. I mean, when do you draw the line? Pun intended. It, it there's there's no question that that's true. And with the product uh, availability, or I should say, product shortage that uh, yeah. every fishing manufacturer is facing, when you get if you're listening right now, get in there to see Tom P and, and get your gear. Because you don't know one day or the next, uh, some, a shipment could be on the way, it gets bought up, and it could be two weeks. Well, two weeks, and these fish are in Maryland. So, possibly. It's hard to say. Hopefully they, ha- hopefully they hang until the new year, like a few years back. That oh, was- yeah. Remember that, Scott? Oh, wow. Yeah. That was that something. Was, that was awesome. Scott, one last uh, thing. When you're doing the troll, when you're doing a troll, yeah. we're up against heartbreak. When you're doing troll, your favorite speed, 3, 3.5, what's the deal for the umbrellas, sheds, or tubes? What do you got? Well, if you're using if you're using the spoons, you want pulsation in the rod, right? Yeah. For the uh, for the bunker spoons, but with the uh, you with the umbrellas, the niners, the shad, all the different kinds of shad rigs and and umbrellas and that you three to three point five is a solid solid number. But remember, when you're going into the current, 
okay, you might you might be able to go a little slower in the twos and still get that same action in the lift. Mm-hmm. And when you're going with the current, okay, you're going with the tide, with the wind, all of a sudden you turn the boat, you might be going four and a half mile an hour and you got to uh, slow it down a little sure. bit. And you want to you want to keep these – most guys go on the troll when the cast bite has slowed up. So at that point, many right. of these fish are in the middle or bottom of the water comp. So you want to get down to the bottom as close as you can. And but just off the bottom, that that's the tricky part. That takes experience and practice. And the other things, if you're near some uh, a wreck, a reef, uh, not so much a wreck, but if you're in a reef or hard rock bottom, live bottom area, you don't want to drag because you're going to hang up and you're going to come back around <laughs> and try to get your gear. He said that for my benefit, people. <laughs> oh, it happens to everybody. Don't, don't fool yourself. No, no, Tom. No guts, no glory. If you don't get close to the bottom, you're going to miss a lot of fish. So. You use drill weights to match your water depth, your speed, your current. It's uh, often you get the right umbrella, you get the right color, but now you got to get it down. down right. I can't tell you how many times I did a uh, fisherman article uh, for Hutch there a while back, where I carry extra drill weights on my boat, and I was talking about it because I got so many buddies going out with a four ounce drill in fifty five feet of water, and I'm like, come over here, I'll give you an eight, I'll give you a ten, I'll give you a twelve. Twelve, right. Get down, get down the water. Jeez. Scott, one last thing. The end game, now a lot of fish, still, you still have a lot of them, not the majority like it was a few weeks ago, but plenty of fish beyond that 38 inch, you know, 37.78, whatever. The end game, Scott, get them alongside the boat, hoist them up for a quick photo. If you want to do that, let it go. What, a 30 second frame before they're up, out, and back in the water? What do you think? Definitely. The good news is you got you you have cold water right now. These fish are really really hardy and tough. So, um, and if if you're trawling, they're they're getting uh, oxygenated salt, uh, cold water flushed over the gills the whole way. They come up so fresh. The troll bite, the mortality is nil. It's very very low. Casting, long as they don't gut hook, same thing. Long as they don't get it deep down their throat, you're pretty good. good. Yeah, you have time to get it up there for a photo. I don't even carry a net. I just grasp a mo- the head of the mojo, a drill weight. I go for uh, uh, the thumb and the mouth, like a like a large mouth. Mm. I, I take my time. I get it up, do the photo, whatever you got to do. But make sure you stay safe. If there's a lot of hooks flying around on an umbrella rig, <laughs> yeah. you don't want you don't want to get gouged with one of those. See, you do want to be careful and. I'll tell you what, I mean, if you're into all these fish, there's no need to net them to get tangled, to have that net rubbing up on all over their body. Actually, that does more damage. And, you you know, you're not talking about a 70-pound colossal monster. If you're talking about a pile of, you know, beautiful 30-something-inch fish, you're going to catch one one after the other, after the other, after the other. So you probably don't have to sweat that part too much. So even after you... You box up what you're taking home for uh, for dinner. Why net them after that? Got it. So. Captain Scott Newhall, timeout charters. Thanks for joining us on Rack and Fin Radio today. Have a lovely Melissa and the boys. Uh, they're great. Alexander they're great. Scott and Michael Benjamin. Newhall, oh, yeah. future Newhall captains. Okay, Scott, uh, a website, phone number, please go. Uh, timeoutfishingcharters.com. Phone number 609-385-3729. Cat is out of the bag, Newhall. I'll see you on one of the wild trout streams pretty soon, brother. <laughs> you know it. You know it. I can't wait. Take care, brother. Be good. Talk to you. See you, Tom. Thanks. 
Captain Scott Newhill up against a break. Grab that cup, grab that red. We'll be right back. Rack and Fin Radio. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. South Jersey's talk station. Fox News. I'm Jill NATO. U.S. Intel says Russia's planning to invade Ukraine next year. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the U.S. is making plans. There's a range of tools at our disposal. Of course, economic sanctions are an option, uh, but we are going to do that in coordination with our European partners, with Congress. President Biden says Russia's Vladimir Putin will face consequences if there's an attack. The parents of the teen accused of killing four people at his Michigan high school this week have been found. Fox's Ashley Strohmeyer. The arrest came a short while after the car of James and Jennifer Crumbly was found in Detroit. The couple was reportedly arrested in a basement. The parents took off after the Oakland County prosecutor took the rare step of charging them with four counts of involuntary manslaughter. The two are accused of failing to secure the weapon used in the shooting. America's listening to Fox News. You're at WPG Talk Radio 95.5 AccuWeather Forecast for South Jersey. Partly sunny today, high 52, mainly clear tonight, low 28. Clouds and sun tomorrow, high 49. Cloudy tomorrow night with a passing shower, low 40, but chills will rise into the middle 50s. Monday, winds becoming strong, cloudy and warm with a passing shower in the morning, followed by rain in the afternoon, high 66. I'm AccuWeather, Stroll Golden on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Welcome back to Rack and Fin Radio with me, Tom P. Weekend of December 4th and 5th. Just a reminder, hunters helping the hungry. We got that going on with the firearm deer season next week. Now listen, the Department of Agriculture and Hunters Helping the Hungry, they got monies together. The hunter's fee for deer weighing over $50 is waived for the 21-22 hunting seasons. If you get a deer over 50 pounds, want to donate. It's not going to cost you a cent. Go to the website, huntershelpingthehungry.com or njfishandwildlife.com. They have some information on the, uh, it's just a, uh, just a great deal. A lot of deer out there to be killed. You have some extra deer. Donate the, the thousands upon thousands of meals. They've been able to help, you know, donate to the food banks. It's, it's definitely worth it because it is free. Hey, some good news, uh, believe it or not, from the Murphy administration on the hunting slash conservation front. The governor did sign into law the $5 increase for the New Jersey state duck stamp. A lot, you know, it's it's been stagnant since what ninety six, ninety five, whenever it was instant. Did raised a lot of money. Did great conservation, preserving wetlands. Needed a increase. Needed a little jolt there. Scott Patterson is on the line with us right now. He's on the Waterfowl Advisory Committee. Works with Ducks Unlimited for many years. He was instrumental in getting this passed. Has been tried before and failed. Scott, I know it's 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 tough on a Saturday for you. Thanks for joining us on Rack and Finn. Congratulations on getting this done, Patterson. Great job. Thank you. Appreciate that. It was a it was a group effort, though. There was a lot of partners involved. Mm-hmm. The Waterbond Society was instrumental helping yep. us out, and I just think it goes to show that when when maybe people on different sides get together and and open their eyes and are willing to listen, a lot of good things can get done. Scott, one of the things I, I found fascinating, actually intriguing, working with. Uh, assembly members, Serena DiMaggio, Eric Hadling, and State Senator Vin Gopal, or Gopal, however you pronounce it, have been known for not being pro-hunting in the least. I mean, explaining the benefits of a duck stamp increase, the conservation aspect, I think you've opened some eyes, no? 
I, I think so. Um, I, I will say that uh, Assemblywoman Damaso was was actually one of the first ones to actually jump on board and help out. She was instrumental. Great. Um, but as far as we're, as far as working with the senator, I, I I have to believe that if if anyone is willing to listen and open their eyes and not just listening to the yelling and screaming about how bad hunters are, they're going to realize that the hunters are the backbone of conservation, especially in New Jersey. Scott Patterson. Now this increase, five dollar increase, was sorely needed. Where are these monies going? Can you pinpoint certain projects off, off the top of your head? Because I know DU is very active in the, in the state. A lot of stuff going on. People say, well, where's the extra $5 going? I said, listen in yeah, Saturday. Scott's going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can. So so basically the, the biggest and most recent is the Tuckahoe uh, Wildlife Management Area. Um, you know, DU with its partners was instrumental in, in, in helping with that project. Um, but we also have done a lot of work um, over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, a lot of it doesn't doesn't go get as seen as that project. But we also contribute money to Atlanta, Canada. And, mm-hmm. and people are going to say, why Canada? Well, that's where our ducks are breeding. Right. So so it is of paramount importance that we support that because they're the ducks that we're seeing. So if guys want to go out, enjoy wildlife, enjoy a good hunting day, that we have to start thinking kind of out of the box. And, and we're, this $5 increase is going to let us do so much more. And again, overwhelming support from the hunting community. And I, again, I have to believe that once once some of the senators and assembly people start to realize that, that we are conservation in this state with some help, don't get me wrong, but we are we are right. one of the main breadwinners of, of, of economics for conservation. Scott, what gets me is, you know, how <clears throat> the, the development, the continued commercial and, and record and um, uh, residential development going on in New Jersey like trying to preserve lands, try to buy lands and preserve them. That that's an uphill battle. God, since the eighties, when this when the development really took off. I mean, it's crazy. It, it's it's a battle, and and it's going to continue to be a battle. And we just got to keep fighting the fight. Um, you know, just take a ride up Route Thirty Three uh, through Manalpa and Millstone. Oh yeah. Every time every, every time you go there, it's it's another farm gone, mm-hmm. and, and they're not coming back. And I think you know people are going to have to start to realize that you know we got to do something. And and if now now is the time, then, then draw the line. And now is the time. Let's get everybody on board. Forget the politics of it, and say, okay, this is going to be the best thing for our kids moving forward. Period. Listeners, for more information, visit www.ducks.org. Okay, uh, Dio, there's, there's more information. Again, Scott Patterson, congratulations. You're in the forefront in this. Like, and you gracefully acknowledge other people and organizations working with it. But you, you were the face of it, man. You, you got it done. I'm very proud of you. Thanks so much from our end. I appreciate your support as always. Thank you. And by the way, by the way, Patterson, I have to ask you. Are you ever going to get a chance to duck hunt? You're making time for yourself because you seem to be all over the map. <laughs> I have gotten out a little bit, but I'm not going to tell you where, but I've been, I've been quite successful. <laughs> and by the way, listeners, you can see a photo of Scott's son in the Digest in the youth uh, hunting uh, section. Was he have a bunch of mallards there? Yeah, yeah, a few. It was a, it was a good day. <laughs> he has great antecedents. Scott, take care again. Congratulations, brother. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Good yeah, things getting done. Again, people getting together, organizations getting together. Hey, speaking about organizations, brand new one going on. Cedarbrook High School Fishing Club, first year in. They had an event this past Thursday evening. Joining us on the line is, this lady is dynamic. It's Erin Sharp. She is a science teacher there at Cedar Creek High School, Atlanta County, Egg Harbor City. And she is involved in the formation and the goings-on of the Cedar Creek High Fishing Club. Erin, thanks for joining us. I'm Rack and Finn. How you doing? 
I am awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I, I saw this. I said, whoa, kids and fishing, especially high school. You know, that, that's, to me, those are the real formative years. If you get my drift. And this yeah. is great. What was the catalyst of getting this started? So I've been looking around our school for a couple years now, realizing we had a whole group of students that we just weren't meeting their needs after school. You know, they wanted to be involved, but there was nothing that really met what they liked. So I started a fishing club for them. Wow. Now, what happened Thursday uh, evening? You guys had an event going on, a program. What was the dealio? So this Thursday evening was our first learning to fillet event. So we were very fortunate to have Randall Seafood, Bob Seafood, and some parents donate fish for us. Wow. Striper and sea bass. And we taught the kids how to fillet, safety and techniques, you know. Right. And then we taught them some, some different recipes for cooking those fish. Outstanding. And what was the turnout? So we ended up with 16 individuals, um, anywhere from wow. freshman year of high school to senior, cooking with us. Many of them had never touched or filleted a fish before. That is very impressive. First time out, 16 youngsters, open minds, open minds. That's great. Now, plans for the future, Erin. What do you have? I guess some party boat trips, some beach fishing trips, some freshwater. What's the dealio? Yes, we do. Myself, um, we have other advisors, Mr. Vanneman and Mr. Battistelli, and then our culinary teacher was with us. We're all avid uh, anglers, and we are looking forward to doing some uh, bass fishing in the spring. We want to get out on uh, the surf and do a high school surf fishing team, hopefully be in that governor's tournament this spring. Yeah, all right. Carter, you know, we're pretty excited. And, again, you, do you see the club hopefully growing? I mean, 16, that's a great seed. You're in the soil there. You can see this blossoming up to, to dozens. Can you not? Yeah, we have had 40 register and complete wow. hooked on fishing, not on drugs permission form. So we're also uh, sponsored and incorporating those teaching practices. Now, you you went through the Hofnod course yourself, correct? Yes, I have. I mean, did that open your eyes? Or is that, it's, a, it's an entire people think, oh, you just take kid fishing, bait a worm on a hook, cast that, or put a piece of squid on a hook, you know, drop it off the side of the boat. No, there's a lot more involved, correct? Yes, there is. There's a whole host of... You know, mental health and physical health associated with tying that into being outdoors, being in nature, and doing some recreational safe fishing. That's great. Well, Erin uh, Sharp, how do people get involved with this? Find out more information. Where do they go? So the best way is to reach out to me, usually via email or phone. Um, I'm at Cedar Creek High School is the best way, and my email is e s h. A R P E at G E H R H S D dot net. Dot net. Wow, I just wrote that down. Well, how can Rack and Finn Rayo get more involved with this? How about uh, some donations are and some some tackle and stuff? Like to get the kids oh, going. Gotta get them going. That would be awesome. <laughs> you know, um, like I said, the Hobnod program has been a great start for us, but for our more experienced anglers, um, teaching them making ties and flies and, and surfing, surf fishing techniques uh -huh. and some nicer surf rods are all directions we're looking to fundraise for and get involved in. Well, let's get Rack and Fin Radio involved as well, young lady. You take care. Thanks for joining us. And hope to meet you one it. of these days very soon. Excellent. We'll be out there fishing somewhere, and we'll see you. Let me tell you something. That great, that Egg Harbor Lake there, Egg Harbor City Lake, whatever it is, yeah. I got pickled out there the length of my leg.
What uh, on both sides it. of both sides of the road? There, Mel, oh, there's some big yeah. ones in there. <laughs> yep, yep. Karen, you take care. Have a great weekend. You too. Take care. See you. Bye. Great lady, great organization. Good for them. Another high school fishing team starting. Let's get it going. Okay, be right back. Rack and fin I think we have a. Think we have LBI surf report. Bass on the beach. Be right back. So what is Talk With a Purpose? It's a lively, informative, number one rated talk show on Saturday morning. Hi, this is John DeMassey. Join me and my guests every Saturday from 9 a.m. till noon for Talk With a Purpose, heard right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And if you miss it on Saturday, we replay it on Sunday from 5 until 8 p.m. Don't miss Talk With a Purpose, Saturday and Sunday, right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. South Jersey's talk station. Meanwhile, at the New Jersey Lottery Scratch-Offs Division. Team, we're running a hotline for holiday shoppers. Let's take a call. Gift Giver's Hotline. Help! I need a gift from my mother-in-law. Stat! Don't worry. You can choose from four festive scratch-offs. Yeah, with a total prize pool of $44 million. Plus second chances to win. Oh, that's good. Maybe now she'll stop asking if I need any cooking tips. Festive holiday scratch-offs make the perfect gifts. Anything can happen in Jersey. Must be 18 or older to buy a lottery ticket. Please play responsibly. If you or someone you know is a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Parents are urged to think twice about getting lottery tickets to children. Now more than ever, you deserve more for today, tomorrow, and every moment that lies ahead. At AmeriHealth New Jersey, we're committed to giving you the health plan you deserve. That means more choice, more convenience with free virtual doctor visits 24-7, and more well-being programs designed for whole person health. Choose one of the largest networks of doctors and hospitals in the state. Choose AmeriHealth New Jersey, the only plan you need. Enroll today at AmerihealthNJ.com. Download Rack and Fin Radio as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Rack and Fin Radio with Tom P. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Yeah, back to our final segment, Rack and Fin Radio with me, Tom P. Weekend of December 4th and 5th. Let's go LBI, LBI. Surf Report with no other than Bayside Dave. He is a founder and administrator Fishing, surf fishing LBI with Bayside Dave. Dave Edelman, the man who won the guy. He has sand in his boots. Dave, how you doing, little brother? What's going on, LBI? Great, Tom. How you doing, buddy? Aaron Fish, Aaron Fish, up and down the aisle, man. You are the source. What is going on there, Davey? Well, for the past week or so, uh, we've been patiently waiting for uh, stripers to push up to the beach, and it's finally happening, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we. we uh, the, the, the big buy, the big mass of big fish uh, are far past us. You know, uh, they they were running through end of October into November, but uh, now we have uh, smaller fish. I guess in the twenty to thirty inch range, even up to thirty five inch range, uh, chasing peanut bunker around. Uh, the peanut bunker have left the, the bay and are in schools out. You know, up up to a quarter mile, half mile out, kind of running around, uh, even in in by the surf. Mm-hmm. And uh, these these. Uh, these schools of smaller stripers are are feeding on them, chasing them around, moving up and down, in and out the island, and uh, causing a lot of ac- activity and a lot of action. Dave, you're, you're tossing poppers, swimming plugs, medals. What's the dealio? Yeah, it all depends uh, what's going on. You know, uh, they're they're hitting many different things. You know, they 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 say matching the hatch. You want to make it look like the smaller peanut bunker that are they are chasing. Uh, you know, you start out with your smaller one to two ounce bucktails with the otter tail and jig strips on the ends. Uh, you have paddle tail swim shads, four to six inch. Those are rubber um, fish looking uh, 
lures that you throw, mm-hmm. that they'll, they'll sink down and swim into the uh, column of water real nice. Um, those are good to throw. Uh, and you also have uh, plastic baits, swim baits like SP minnows, bombers. Uh, you have darters, twitch yep. baits. Anything that swims in, in the in the first uh, one foot column of water is is, is nice to throw. Uh, it all depends on the uh, uh, the situation out there and what's going on with the, with the water and everything. You have metal lip swimmers. Uh, they they, uh, they represent adult bunker. They're they're a bit bit fatter, a bit bigger. Um, you have top water plugs, poppers. Uh, I like the pencil mm. poppers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what happens is uh, you'll you'll see fish on schools of bunker because you see the gannets are diving in and, and, and picking at the bunk at, at the peanut bunker as they're panicking because they're being targeted and fed on uh, by these uh, little groups of fish. And uh, you'll see them out about a quarter mile and sometimes they'll start pushing into the beach. So you'll want to throw something that that's small enough or, or attractive enough uh, for those fish to grab because because that's what they're on. They're on those smaller uh, peanut bunkers. But also, you know, even if you don't see birds out there, you still have those schools of bunker, I'm sorry, those schools of stripers scouting around looking for food, looking sure. for those uh, uh, bunk, uh, peanut bunkers and stuff like that. So find, find areas on the beach where you have good water, where you have good rips, where you have good uh, currents running, and uh, throw some of those different uh, lures out there and see if you can't attract them to, uh, to attack them. And that, that happens a lot out there, too. You know, it's not necessarily the bird action is the only place where the fish are. The fish can be anywhere looking around, you know. It just got to right. get out there and, and just kind of, uh, you know, work at it and get get it going and, and get some fish on, you know. Dave, what's crazy about this time of year, it's, it's you know, there's usually you know, the first light bite and the last light bite into the night. This time of year with all that bait around, I mean, what was the guy about four or five years ago? Big John that uh, caught the biggest bass in that LBI Surf Classic on a piece of bunker at 2.30 in the afternoon, a dead low tide. There's fish around all day. So it's, oh, uh, of course. Know, like you said, it doesn't have to necessarily be bird action. Listen, put your time on the sand. Get in there, man, because the fish are there. Dave, some of the hotter areas on LBI, go ahead. Don't, don't worry about burning spots. Just give general areas. What do you got? <laughs> well, uh, well, honestly, you know, it, it always started, uh, starts out at the north end, mid-island mid, mid surf, uh, because they're moving down from the, from the north, and they start hitting the beaches at, at that point. And you have the, uh, um, the the inlet where the where the bunker schools are coming out of, so uh, th- that's where it starts out. Right now we have Mid Island uh, going on. We still have some some Mid to North Island stuff going on, and uh, they're starting to move south. So you know it's it's basically anywhere that you feel comfortable. Um, you know a lot of guys they have the, the beach buggy passes to drive the beaches, and they're they're yep. constantly mm-hmm. driving up and down looking for those bird action and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you can't just drive on the beaches of LBI without these beach buggy passes. You know each town and each township has their own pass. Oh yeah. You know uh, <laughs> you, you can't just drive on and start driving around and be like, oh, I just showed up on LBI for the first time. Let's drive the beach. <laughs> no, you get a ticket for that, pal. Uh, also, you know if if you don't have the beach buggy pass, just you can you can park on any block on LBI. Uh, as long as you're not blocking anybody's street, uh, driveway. driveway, right? Walk on. You can see you can see the holes from the top of the dunes as you walk on. You can scout it out. Maybe bring a surf cart with you. Uh, maybe walk up and down for a few blocks. If you get sick of that little area where you're not catching anything, jump back in your truck, car, whatever. There you drive go. down a few more blocks. Go, go back on and off. The beaches aren't that wide. You don't have to do a lot of walking. It's it's basically just just getting yourself out there and looking for deep holes and uh, and try to stir up some action. So, Dave, you think next couple of weeks the bite should be hot along that beach there? That's a whole island's worth of a whole island's worth of sloughs and pockets and holes, man. 
Absolutely. You know, there are there are no key spots here on LBI. You know, uh, all up and down is, is the same. Uh, you know, like you said, uh, we got sandbars, we got troughs, yep. we got pockets, we got rips. It's all the same all up and down this island. It's 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 a it's a beautiful area for uh, for. for for successful fishing outings. And, uh, you know, you just got to get down here, man. This is going to last for another couple weeks at least. And then what happens is as the bunker, uh, the peanut bunker leaves, then you start having sand eels come in. And a lot of these schoolies come out of the bay and start right. at, at the sand eel clouds. And then you start throwing stuff, stuff like Ava jigs, diamond yep. jigs. Little diamonds, yeah. With, 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 with all what I'm talking about, with, with all these different lures that I'm talking about throwing now and later when the sand eels come in, put um, put your teasers on. I tell you, a lot of times these these uh, these these stripers are grabbing them teasers because for them it looks like oh here's a larger fish chasing a smaller bait fish. There you you know, they're opportunists. They're lazy. You know they're going to grab that smaller bait fish. And I tell you, throw a teaser on everything, man. It, it's really happening. It's Makes really a happening. difference. Well, Dave, real fast, we're about ten seconds left in this segment. Give that. Uh, what do you have? Instagram, Facebook. What do you got? Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned the Facebook, uh, Surf Fishing LBI with Bayside Dave, which you can get a lot of fishing reports every single day on. I do have my Instagram, at Bayside Dave, where I also throw on a, lo- a lot of stuff about what I do on the surf. And uh, I've been doing YouTube uh, videos, uh, instructional videos, uh, fishing videos, and all that stuff. And I've basically been putting it on American Angler Life YouTube channel. So if you guys want to see some really interesting uh, uh, videos, Instructional videos, fishing videos, how to how to fillet fish, how to bait hooks, blah blah blah. American Angler Life is the YouTube channel that you should go on. Uh, I do a lot of stuff on that, and there's other videos on there as well done by other guys in American Angler. They will see you on the beach, man. You take care. All right, Tom. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Other for this week on Rack and Fin Radio. Get out there and enjoy. God bless America. God bless our troops. God bless our first responders and law enforcement. Firearm Deer Week next week, Monday through Saturday. Be safe out there. See you next week, Rack and Fin Radio.